This is episode number 247 of the Rising Man podcast with Mark Usher. What does a man do when he doesn't know what to do? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. I am your host, Jetty Azuma, here with another amazing guest on another amazing episode of the Rising Man podcast. My guest today is Mark Usher, coming in all the way from Ireland. Mark coaches high-achieving men to be the husband she brags about. 12 years of his wife's unheard request for him to show up as a better husband resulted in her falling in love with another man. The fear of losing his wife and kids drove Mark to do whatever it took to learn how to be a better husband. Now he dove deep into men's work, coaching, breath work, sacred intimacy teachings, and other modalities to help him transform his marriage from the inside out. His podcast, Be the Husband She Brags About, supports married men in going from fearing their best will never be good enough to becoming the marriage transforming hero of their relationships. In this episode, Mark and I discussed a lot of things pertaining to marriage, pertaining to men and our emotional capacity, when and where to share emotions and how we do it. We talked about what happens to a man who's believing his own bullshit and having too high of an opinion of himself. I'm guilty of that. I know we all are. We talked about why the man is often the last one to know when a relationship is struggling and usually the last one to find out when it's time for a divorce. We talked about the deeper why behind men pretending they're doing good right? That, that happy, everything's okay face that we put on when we're actually not. And what do we do when we actually don't know what to do? Because usually that's what's underneath that facade of doing well. We discussed every man having something he's succeeding in and also having something he's not satisfied with and why we're often winning in different areas of our lives. And last but not least, recognizing that all of our core wounds with the feminine originate from our earliest relationship with our mothers and the women who raised us. Without further ado, Mark Usher. All right, Rising Man family, I've got another man joining us from across the ocean, from Ireland. I think you may be our first bona fide Irish native guest here on the Rising Man show, man, after almost... 250 episodes here. Welcome to the show, Mark. Oh man, Jetty, I'm super proud on an individual basis and representing my country for the first time. That's a, an extra honor. Good to be here, man. Yes, yes, man. Well, thank you for being here, making the time, especially as a husband and father and a man who's got his own podcast and his whole operation. We'll, we'll dig into that a whole bunch more here. Um, but, you know, I like to start with this question with every man who comes on the show, and that is, what does it mean to be a man? Mm, what does it mean to be a man? I, I'm I'm still unpacking that. That's the day-to-day process. Um, definitely. What does it mean yes. today? What, what does it mean today? Um, what it means today is showing up for for my family. It's showing up in leadership. Definitely. Um, we're back home from our first family holiday after you know six years. A lot of stuff coming up. My queen, her nervous system completely torn asunder in many different ways, directional, our daughters as well. We came back to different circumstances. So um, what it means to be a man, um, for me, in my context, I see it through like being a leader. Um, I'm a husband. I'm a father of two two girls. So for me, being a man is being like a, a steward of, I'm responsible for the next generation. I'm responsible for the next seven generations. I like to look at it like that. So um yeah it's it's being response responsible and taking the greatest conscious response um available to me 
to embody love in my relationships with myself, with my wife, with my kids. And if I can do that, well, I feel I'm showing up in a powerful way as a man. And um, another key important part, we could go into this like really in depth, but, you know, whatever one thing, what it means for me to be a man is having this willingness to answer my authentic truth in the moment and to be able to say no to what doesn't fit to my vision for myself and my family, which is to be happy, to be healthy in all terms and whatever else, you know. So um, just having this omnipresence, present readiness to go, hey, that doesn't fit with me or my collective family vision. We can have a talk about that, but how you're showing up and how that energy or this activity, whatever that might be, that's a real core part for me to um, of being a man, having that protective readiness to protect my family, myself, our boundaries, our kingdom, queendom, etc. Um, yeah. I, I leave it at that. I could keep going. No, that's that that's good. That's that'll be something good that we circle back to because I know part mm. of what we wanted to discuss today was anger. I think that what I'm hearing is an opportunity to talk about the distinctions between anger, between aggression, where as on a on a social level, as a society, I believe we've had to really dampen and diminish the natural aggression and the protector instinct that we have as men because of this tremendous fear and apprehension that we have as a society towards violence. And, and as a result, I believe we've completely wiped away and, and, and turned the dial down on our instinct to protect and even not, not just physically protect, but also uh, morally and ethically and energetically to be a stand for something that doesn't fit in with our value structure or what we want for ourselves or our family. So I think that's a, that is a great, topic to get into i do want to lay a little context about your story because your story for me is so powerful and you're not afraid to lead with the fact that there was a tremendous breakdown in in your marriage and in your partnership i would say one that many men could probably relate to and i would say the vast majority of men and their relationships never make it back from but before we talk exactly about what that was who were you as a man before all of that happened before the actual like almost sinking of the ship what just describe yourself as a man what were you doing with your life what was your family life your home life like just paint a picture cool it's a great question and it does it is important to get that pre-context to that breakdown breakthrough moment um i was coasting i sort of was you know interested in buddhism interested i would have really um regarded myself as yeah i'm really doing work i'm you know i'm introspective i'm reading lots of books i'm trying my best to be happy to be healthy um i had changed my career from physiotherapy to um to being a men's coach but that mark leading up to that jetty was wrapped up in a persona that you know characteristic i'm quite sure you and every guy listening in you know the, the mr nice guy persona where i had a hyper exaggerated evaluation of my own growth i had very little humility true humility of where i was truly at and um, we call we call that believing your own bullshit yeah <laughs> getting, oh, getting, man. High, getting high on your own supply <laughs> getting high on my own supply of bullshit every single day i, I yeah. really did you know if, if you were to go back you know maybe four four and a half years ago you know it's like the, the year leading up to that major um sort of shit show in in, in my marriage an inner world. If you ask me about my marriage, you know, about my parenting, about, you know, I, I would have been saying, hey, man, you know, like I'm, I'm doing good, you know, like, oh, you know, it's sort of six out of 10 stuff, you know, I'm doing good and a little bit above average. You know, 
I would have peppered it in nice guy style. Yeah, you know, that done, a ton to do, but I'm doing good. And, you know, love life would have been the same thing. And I had little or no capacity to just cut through all that bullshit and get like get real with myself. How aware were you of what was actually happening under the surface at that time? Because obviously you said you you obviously already been involved in some degree of men's work. So mm. there's I'm, I'm sure there was an invitation to look a little bit deeper within yourself. Were you were you aware that this was just some bullshit story that you were painting for everybody else? Or were you also watching the same movie that you were showing everybody? Um, Maybe every now and then there were elements of it coming true elements of awareness but for the vast majority of the time i was just caught up in in the story i was caught up in the i'm a nice guy i'm doing look at all of this stuff that i'm doing for my wife look at horror wounds look at how i go to the ends of the earth for horror wounds i was hyper focused on horror wounds and i was this rescuer guy and hey my i might be perfect as as a parent but we unschool our kids i show a lot of commitment so it was like always this story of sugarcoat as much of the brilliance of myself and then never really focus on you know that that feedback that was coming from my queen but I was always ignoring it so there was a major part of me even if there were little moments where I was aware of it I was running scared shitless from any bit of feedback at all whatsoever so sure yeah well I think that's I think it's important to to mention that and I'm, I'm glad that you share that because I had the exact same experience too for me it actually occurs in in seasons um, oftentimes I talk about the old Nintendo video games where they weren't so complex as they are today. And it, it was, it seemed like even as you went to the next level of that video game, it was pretty much the same map and the same mm. boss, but it was a little bit different, just a little bit harder, but it feels like the same thing. That's, that's kind of these moments that I've had in my own experience where I, I, I think that I'm, I'm doing great. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing way better than I was two years ago. And there's always a blindness. There's always something that I'm not looking at, and, and especially what you just shared in where, where you were at that time. Uh, one of the wisdoms that I've gotten from the teams of men that I've been a part of is that when it comes to uh, divorce or separation, uh, end of relationship, the, it's usually the man who's always the last one to know because he's yeah. believing that everything's good. I'm doing just fine. Look at how much I do for my family. How come I'm not getting as much appreciation and acknowledgement for what I'm doing? And all of that is just a distraction away from all the other things that we're missing. Yeah. More important like, things. What I'd speak to that, like objective data, um, you know, when, when guys sign up to a free discovery call with me for, um, for the men's groups and different services I have, part of like there's six or seven questions that I pose them super simple questions like four of them are like just score yourself one to ten and I think it's question number three it's like rate yourself one to ten of your general marriage satisfaction and fulfillment and a lot of guys five six the vast majority like five six and then it's like sneakily sort of put it's like I think it's number six so the answer a couple of bit there's a bit of distraction then number six is rate your wife's score out of 10 and the vast majority is one two and it's just it's really startling to me and i i bring this up to guys i bring it up is that is that their perception of their wife's score or they go and they ask their wife to score well well well, that's the thing it's like is it a perception or i i think it's more most often that's their intuitive reading but we camp out as men in our self-score, in our self-rating. There's this sort of like comfort zone of 
like me, you know, it's like all those lead years leading up 12 years, like, oh, I, I'm doing good. You know, it's like it's myself scoring, which I'm not able to give myself a hard scoring because I have so many blind spots. So I, I just really want to speak to that. I see the evidence of that, like played out the whole time where those there's this r- super regular discrepancy in where guys are asked about their own self scoring. But when they're asked about their wife's, it's like they know she's having a real tough, shitty time. But we rarely ever ask that uncomfortable question. And we camp out in the comfort zone of, hey, I'm doing good, which yeah. that that's like the, tra- the tragedy is that's where 80, 70 to 90 percent of divorces that are filed are filed by wives. Mm-hmm. You know what you're saying is like the guys are the last one to know. So yeah, it's a great we'll, tragedy. We'll go down with the ship. Like we'll, we'll we'll go down with the ship. It's it's instinctual. It's in our DNA, yeah. and it's it's not the case. If a woman doesn't feel safe, if they don't feel taken care of and and taken and provided for, then they got to go. Especially when there's mm. children involved, because then there's an extension of their safety and security. So biologically, it all makes sense. And I think there's actually another layer beneath that. I think mm. I, I'm I'm portraying that I'm doing better than I actually am, because. Over the years, I think it's almost gotten too simple to say that a man just wants to look good. I think that that's that's absolutely true because I know that I do it. I see it in other men. I've heard men admit it around hundreds of fires that I've sat around. But there's a deeper why. Why is it so important for me? Why am I compelled to portray that I'm doing better than I actually am? And I think there's actually a deeper underlying fear of what the consequences might be if that outcome were actually true. If it were actually true that I'm not showing up well as a husband, if it were actually true that my wife is dissatisfied, if it were actually true that my relationship is on the cusp of divorce, then what? Then I have to actually face off with, I might be alone. I might end up as a man without a purpose because how many of us men, I mean, this is another, you probably know more about the statistics than I do of what happens to men after divorce when they end up alone, when they don't get to see their children, when they don't have a partner, major spike in depression, anxiety, suicide, substance abuse, you name it, right? Uh, Arrests, right? Legal troubles, because so much of our identity is tied to being that protector and provider. So I think it's important to also plumb down into the, the reason why. And there could, just like you said about being the nice guy before. Yeah. Okay. But there's a reason why we do that. It's easier to do that than it would be to do the alternative of admitting that our boundaries are being crossed and having to take a stand. Um, so I wonder if if you find that also be true for you and some of the men that you work with too, as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, generically, what's coming up when you, when you say that, Jetty, is like, yeah, it, it's it's working with shame. I I find shame is this like elephant in the room type emotion that, um, we're we put all the persona out. And it's not like, as you say, it's like, it's not just to look good. Like that's, that's oversimplified. Is this fear of, Hey, what happens if I really admit, you know, you're, you're left looking in the mirror of, you know, am I adequate as a man to pull this off? You know, my wife is giving me, you know, she's giving me feedback. I think most guys like, yeah, you know, the, in arguments, like, you know, messages come true in life, you know, or, or kids are bickering. The kids aren't respecting me. There's messages coming through. I think most guys sort of know deep down that's, that's got to do with me, but the elephant in the room, like what you're saying on that deeper level from what I'm feeling and have observed in my own life, I was scared shitless to just go, Hey, what if this is all on me? 
it's like I there is this pit of emptiness inside of me and this like hole of I don't feel adequate as a man. I actually don't feel I'm competent or capable. I don't feel I'm able to pull any, you know, really courageous shit off here in my marriage. I, I do hear my wife, but I'm scared to go there. This is all subconscious. I have words to it now. I, you know, I, I've I've went there. I keep going there. But I see once I speak to guys in, you know, in those discovery calls, in, in men's work and one-on-one coaching, when I bring out the topic of, hey, could this have to do with shame, with a sense of inadequacy or incomplete, like tears come up. Guys are just like, yeah, you're just speaking what I've always known, but I just, and then we're laughing and we're having a joke about it. I was like, hey, that's okay. Me too. I deal with shame every single day, like, you know, on multiple different things. Like, as you said off screen, you know, before we came on recording, it's like, yeah, Mark, you know, I'm human too. You know, you know you're leading this incredible movement. You're dealing with, with the human experience. But shame for me is that sort of elephant in the room of man's inner world where if you can't find some space, some coach, some men's group where you can normalize and go, ah, I can experience that and simultaneously at the exact same moment just feel sort of paradoxically complete, paradoxically held, paradoxically really stable. Like these men are not moving anywhere. I'm still worthy of love and yet I have this high charge of shame. This, this, it, it seems to the persona that they can't happen together so we never go there. So yeah, that, that deeper level for me, it comes in and around shame. Yeah. And this is why I love the podcast platform so much, especially the audio platform, because I, I imagine I, before I started a podcast, I listened to thousands of them, right? I had a few of my favorites and I listened to just about every episode they had. And I would do it while I was driving around in my car. And it, it's literally like having a voice in your head, right? And so here we are, we're giving actual external voice and volume to the voices that I believe every man has in his head. Right? What you just said right there, right? You said, I, obviously, I'm able to speak it out loud coherently to another human being in this moment. But how many times do we have that internal dialogue inside of our head where there's just that voice that's just playing it over and over on repeat? It's so important for it to be able to come out. There's another level of processing and growth that we can access when this is a conversation that's not just happening in our own head. But it's so great that hearing two men discuss this inside of the earbuds while somebody's walking around or working out at the gym, I know how how powerful that can be. And it's a good step in the right direction. I think there's a, there's something else that you were mentioning right there about getting to that point that, that if we get all the way down to what's that honest truth, if the real truth is that here I am, I'm afraid to admit what's actually happening in my life, mostly because at the bottom of things, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of losing something that really matters to me. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of uh, losing that sense of purpose and what really matters to me in my life, but I don't know what to do about that. That to me is the place where most men get stuck. And what do you do when you don't know what to do? I think if, if right now we're talking about relationships, but we could be talking about finances. We could be talking about job purpose, you name it. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you have to say uh, about that one? Yeah. Well, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Um, I, it's a definite ob observation. I've often said to guys, I, I, no man can admit he's lost until he has a map in his hand. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but, but it's not, it's not actually true. Um, 
you don't have to have the map in your hand. What I've come to know on like multiple different levels, I had the marriage breakdown, breakdown breakthrough and I, I take that, but then it was like parenting and then there was financial shame. And I just started learning. It's like, there is a map. If I don't know what to do, if I'm having an issue like with, you know, my business is not going places. I've done a, a tremendous work in the last 12 months. I want to bring it real. So it's not like theoretical sort of um, crap for the guys at home. It's like just real life experience. You know, 12, maybe 18 months ago, I was just looking. It was like, okay, podcasts have moved. Numbers weren't going, like finances were not going, weren't going great. I've done incredible work in my marriage, my health, emotional work, deep men's work. Parenting was beginning to like really pick off in, in great ways. Business was crap. Ultimately, like I just was not making um, headway there. I was like, there must be a map out there. To, to answer that, it's like any guy listening in, we all have challenges. We all, you know, we will take off. Some guys nail marriage first, other guys nail business, and then it's marriage. You know, like we all will have our challenges in that moment, in that season of life. What I have learned is just to have this assumption of there is a map. There is a map out there that will make sense to me, to my nervous system, that will support me getting from whatever my problem is here at point A. Somebody else has done it. All my all my job is is to reach out, do a Google search, check out podcasts. Who do I know? Reach out to some guys. Like guys, like who who has been you're successful in business? That's what I did. That's how I got my business mentor. Now that my business is taking off in an amazing way. So I found my map. But what I did was, I first of all recognized, hey, you're in the shit, Mark. This is pretty shit. Like you're you're getting shit results. That's what I'd say to guys like has been a liberation for me. Just that capacity to admit I'm in the shit. I want infinitely more than is arriving in this situation. Stopping, minimizing and normalizing. You won't do the work to get a map until you just admit your marriage, your parenting, your health, you name it. It's just not good enough for me. Then assume that there's a map out there. I reached out to a friend, super successful in multiple businesses. I was like, who do you advise as a good business mentor? Who do you follow? He gave me like two or three um, suggestions. I picked one, really loved it. I've been with him ever since. My business is going better than ever. So that's the answer I'd say. Just assume that there is a map and get real with where you're at and where you want to be and go out into the yeah. universe and find find the map. Well, the, sim- the simple message behind that that I hear is don't stop until you find a solution because there's an infinite number of solutions out there. I often, when, whenever I encounter a man who feels like it's, it's hopeless or it's pointless, like I, 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 they're ready to give up to me. I always say, dude, you just, you, you stopped asking questions. You stopped getting curious, you know, and there's, there's always something, there's always a path. Mm-hmm. I, I teach this to my son too. This is why I love this kind of stuff, right? It's applicable to a seven-year-old in the same way it's applicable to a 35-year-old that, Hey, if you feel frustrated and you feel like giving up, you've just stopped getting curious. You, you, you gave up the will to ask more questions. And that's often what I tell men to do, too, is when you don't know what to do, go find somebody who does or at least can point you in the right direction. Because I also I also am a firm believer that I don't want anybody to just give me the answers, but to guide, direct, to hold a torch to something that I might not have been considering over here, which I always think is a is a doorway into why this work we do is so important. Because if I've got eight guys who know me really well, who I've invested time and energy into in, building relationship and trust with, 
and they see me and they say, hey, we've seen this before. We see something that you don't see. I'm going to trust yeah. those guys. And they say, great, show me, help me see what I'm not seeing because uh, I'm clearly missing it here, uh, which is it's why we ha- it's so important for all men to have spaces like this. Yeah. Um, you got something there? Otherwise, I want to take well, a. Yeah, well, I was I was rolling off of just that that part of the map. Um, you know, to if I may, just going into that marriage breakdown breakthrough. I, I just mm-hmm. want to speak that part because it's really perfect that that sort of metaphor and like what do you do when you don't have a map? Um, you know, to to give guys the the context of where I was. Um about three and a half, four years ago, I, I invited a guy into, into our family home. This is our family home here, here in Ireland. And we have eight horses. We have a ton of animals and part of a, a nice guy backstory there of not being able to say no, which is might be a core part of this conversation going on. But I was saying yes to my wife. She loves horses and there's lots of uh, uh, family dynamics with her that like she just kept on taking more and more animals. So, um, but that happened and this guy that I had connected in with, he was traveling around Europe. Um, I spoke to him a few times and he put it out in social media. He's like, hey, I'm traveling around Europe, uh, just looking for bed and board in exchange for work for maybe three, four weeks. I just thought straight away, it's like, hey, there's an opportunity here. You know, he can do the, the horses and some tasks around the farm. You know, he sleeps here. So I invited him in. And the part about not having a map really comes to, to the forefront here. Um, give you the really crystallized version of it. Like for two weeks, he, that he stayed, he, he stayed here for about three and a half weeks. The first two weeks I came down pretty much immediately with an exacerbation of asthma and with a chest infection, longstanding thing. So I was physically completely incapacitated in many ways. There's lots of psychosomatic reasons, I think, why it came up with this guy coming in. But um, I was nowhere near my full power at all physically. What tr- what ended up happening, Jetty, was he was the man that I thought I never was. You know, talking to that unchecked shame before, my inner story was I, I really believed I was emotionally broken. For my 12 years of marriage up until that point, my queen was asking in all arguments when it did come out, it was like, I just... You know, I want more intimacy from you. I want you to o- open up with me. I want you to share. I want you to be emotionally in tune with me. I want you like to to get me. You know, I'm a woman. Just just get me, feel me. You know, it's like I want to move. I want to be crazy, but like you're just you're just dry. Um, and I really just felt it's like I I can't do this. I tried with the limited toolbox available to me. But there again, I I didn't look for the map. I didn't own up. I didn't get real with where I was at with my own capacity. So I kept trying the same thing for 12 years with, you know, it's the the definition of insanity, trying to do the same thing repeatedly and hoping, you know, you'd somehow get a different result. The different result didn't happen. So after 12 years of that, this guy comes in and he's emotional, he's sensual, he moves, he smiles, you know, he was into tarot cards, he could, he was into all of this sort of, what I, I had been shaming as that, it's just feminine, it's just women stuff, it's like, I can't get that, and he like was speaking to my queen about all of this stuff, so after 12 years of having me, you know, this well-intentioned guy ticking all the infinite boxes, but none were really meaningful for her, I didn't know how to take those boxes, this guy comes in, and it's like, all of a sudden, my queen, her nervous system had this rush of 
this new man, he sees me, he hears me, he feels me moment to moment. I like he just feels that I'm a bit off. And then he asks that question and then he probes more and more. And I feel safe with him. Ultimately, energetically, it's like she fell in love. Now, she does say it's like, Mark, it was never love. We, we have went into lots of clearance um, conversations since, but her nervous system, her feminine needs of feeling seen, heard and safe. It's like she, after 12 years of progressively leaning into hopelessness of Mark's a good guy. He takes the boxes, but boy, I'm just going to have to surrender and submit to just living it out with him. He's never going to be able to bring, he's at his best. She had surrendered to he's at his best. It was profoundly sad what had happened inside of her. Um, so it was a real gift. This guy coming in blew her nervous system open. Um, but what ended up happening is like in those two weeks, I was witnessing this, like ultimately what I would define as explicit flirting and joking and laughing and like their energetics were moving closer and closer and closer together. Um, where I woke up, Jetty, was the first morning, you know, after you know, two weeks of feeling this, this chest infection. I had that first morning. I don't know if you've had that experience before with a chest infection or a deep illness. You have that first morning where you know you're getting better. It's like your, your energy doubles. And the, I just- The arrow's woke, pointing up. Yeah. Yeah. And I had that morning. It was like, okay, cool. Thank God. I'm at the far side. And Jedi had no experience of men's work at that point. And my first thought was completely atypical. It was like, my first thought that morning was, Mark, you're going to have to step into your kingship here. I, I, I like my bread and butter language now is masculine archetypes. I love that. So like king, warrior, magician, lover, I had no reference of that. I got out of bed, put my clothes down, walked down to my queen. She was at the table. I was for the first time in 12 years. I'd never done this in my marriage. I explicitly owned my need for the first time. I was like, hey, baby. I have a need to go for a chat with you. She was like, oh, here, just have a bit of breakfast. It's like, no, I need to go for a walk with you. We need to talk. What that ended up being was, I would say, you know, it was like my first responding to an anger in me. It was not clean. I didn't have the language to know this is anger, but it was like my queen was flirting with another man. My queen was getting really, really close. I woke up to hey, there's this feeling inside of me that's saying no to what's happening here. And most importantly, and this is like the real thing I want guys to get listening in, it's the most important part. It's not no, like against something. Underneath anger, that feeling is a deep yes. The deep yes was, I'm here, What I'm saying no to this dynamic. I'm saying no to this guy. But it's like, it's a yes to my marriage. It's a yes to my love to my for my queen. It's a yes for you know me showing up forevermore with my queen, rearing my kids under my own roof and our beautiful future. So there was a major that that's that's just a as concise as I can gift it and to give a, a, a context to that turnaround, that breakthrough, breakdown or breakthrough moment that I had in marriage. Yeah. So it was never anything physical in terms of their their connection it was it was energetic is what i'm hearing it it was energetic got yeah. it okay um so uh, like i said in the beginning i think this is an experience that a lot of men can relate to i can just I, I can think of five or six stories personal stories that rattle off the top of my head of men i've talked to who went through this uh where 
they they discovered or at some point they were informed that their wife was having either a, a, a physical affair or an emotional affair with somebody or both. And um, and recognizing ultimately that it was something that they weren't doing, something that they weren't providing. Obviously, there's there's both sides to it, of course. Um, but it sounds like in that moment, some a, a, a switch flipped in you that there was something, some part of you that was activated. Uh, it sounds like to me, something that had been suppressed for a long time behind this identity of the nice guy. Uh, would you speak mm-hmm. more to that? And did you, what did you feel in your body or what were you, what did you gain access to in that moment? And what would you call it? Um, I would say it was like my authentic voice came through. And that can seem like really airy fairy. There's a lot of like, oh, you to be authentic. And it can be like almost overused to the point. What does that really mean? Um, keeping on like that, that core part of anger, um, I gain access to the expression of anger. And I realized that years, my cycle for years was I'd experience anger. You know, it's like, oh, I'm a bit pissy. I'm pissed off with what my queen had done or said or, you know, did not do, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd semi say it. I'd passive aggressively say it. I never directly just say it. Hey, I don't like that. It would be this indirect sort of a cut or a comment and you know if she gave me any kickback i would just go you know if there was any resistance from her at all which i mean she's a queen she's a woman she's like the nature of the game is to give kickback to like test us into her power i didn't know that was a part of it i took i took the resistance like as a disrespect to me as a man as in hey like i've given you feedback just go with it what the hell is this about you're disrespecting me and i would retreat into okay i felt anger but I'm not like for the sake of peace. And that anger would be transformed into frustration, which is, yeah, there was that thing. And clearly she should know she was just out of out of whack with that. And now I have a lot of frustration, which would classically, you know, there'd be a first wave of it, then a second wave, and maybe on the same topic, a third wave. And now I'm super, supercharged in the anger. So I definitely don't say it because, hey, when you say it, it goes into, you know, if she gave me kickback in the first, now I'm really pissed. So I was constantly not honoring my authentic truth, my my voice, which the authenticity lies behind anger. And all of this frustration was building to eventually come out as aggression. That was the lead up of 12 years. That's why my queen never felt safe around me. She never felt seen or heard because she wasn't safe. I would periodic, I'd be nice, 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 nice. And then I'd explode. And that's aggression. I would suddenly explode and go, blah, you know, like taking all this crap and you should know better. And all of these times that you're doing this and you never change your behavior, you keep doing that damn thing. I've told you a million times and it would be aggressive. I would character assassinate her. I call her terrible things. I don't want to repeat them here, but it's like, I'd be really horrible. And I was doing that with my kids. So what, I connected with in that moment when I owned that need. And that practice became what we now call our king and queen walk. We have a walk every single day, five minutes minimum, normally five, 10 minutes, where we just talk about the unspoken in our relationship, like what needs to be spoken, what's going unspoken. In that first king and queen walk was, there just was this grounded part of me going, if I don't like something in what, she's saying and how she's showing up in that moment with that guy 
And by extension, it just extended into, hey, you know, you've been showing up in this way. And I've never liked that. You used you were you've always been saying this, speaking about me in this way with, you know, with your with your family. It's like, baby, I've never liked that. I'm a no to that. And it's like that authentic voice was coming true where I'm at a no to that. Once I said that, then this super interesting thing opened up to me. It's like, well, what am I a yes to? What's my deeper needs? What's like, what is my nervous system telling me? If I'm a no, there must be a yes to something more important wanting to come true. And then it'd be like, hey, uh, you know, baby, I use the in-laws. I'm back from Italy. So there was there's some more re-triggering of it. It comes true. But um, I was like, hey, when you, when you speak about me like that with your family, that that's that's hurtful. I don't like that. I'd like you to speak like, you know, not like that you're always the one that's creating the thing. It's like, it's, it's us together. Like we're creating this together. That hurts. I want to hear you say we, not all me. Um, the beautiful thing was, Jetty, like the revelation for me was when I started practicing, just saying it in that conversation, it's like, and just having this readiness, I really knew my marriage was in the absolute shitter. I like, there was this point of no return. It's like, I was fighting, fighting tooth and nail. I was like, there was no point to have any more fear. It couldn't get any worse. It pretty much was like, we're done and dusted. So let's just put all the chips on the table. That freedom, that fearlessness just allowed me express, hey, I don't agree with what you're after saying. But it was safe. And because I started just speaking from that anger and saying no to whatever was coming up but from a place that was safe i didn't i wasn't attacking my queen i was just like no i'm a no to that let's have a conversation of what my needs are what my values are what's important to me i might know it in a moment but if we keep talking she was loving it she was like wow mark i've never had this from me before i've always wanted it but you always used to get pissy, you used to attack me. It's like I used to know you were always going getting frustrated. I knew a thousand times, every single time. Yeah, he just has went off. He's like he's gone with his tail between his legs, like a, a scolded boy in a corner. It's like, Mark, that was repulsive. Now I'm hearing you. This is the intimacy. You're sharing with me what's important. She was safe. I was safe. And that's been the practice ever since. It's like, what I call first wave anger expression. If I, if, I, if I or a man feels anger, speak to it. Set your no. Trust that there's some authenticity, there's some part of your truth coming true. And that's like 99% of my work with guys is like when you can reconnect and get in touch with that level of anger expression, wives, the feminine, our women love it because they want to hear that truth but they want it communicated safely. And that's the major crux, 99.9%. So let's jump in there for a second, because what what you're speaking to, in my experience, is the intelligence of of the body, of the the part of us that activates before our our thoughts can even catch up to it. So I I believe that emotions, and I think there's also science behind this, that that emotions, we don't have any control over. They're they're part of what gets activated in us based on the stimulation and the circumstances around us. So if I experience something like anger or grief or sadness or joy and exhalation, then it's it's all something that's happening uh, involuntarily. What happens after 
the awareness of that emotion or the experience of that emotion is where my choicefulness and my command can enter into the picture. Now, a lot of times, I think we, I alluded to this before we, right at the beginning of the episode, that we've learned to tame those, especially those explosive emotions, the ones that where we see red, where it's, it's like battle mode, because most of us, fortunately, don't have to ever tap into that part of ourselves, right? We've, we've done a lot of work to construct a society where there's a much lower requirement for violence and aggression and physical interactions like that than our ancestors had to deal with, right? Mm. Thank, thank goodness that we don't have to deal with that all the time. But as a part of that, we've completely gone in the other direction, especially when it comes to masculine energy and it comes to men. We've completely dialed down that impulse to defend ourselves and our loved ones. And it, it becomes really confusing. Because now here I am in this dynamic where something my wife is doing pisses me off. I experience anger. And all of a sudden, my instincts say, go to battle with this person. And that's never a battle that I want to fight. I never want to go to battle, physical or emotional battle with my wife. I love my wife. There's a reason why we're not on the same page right now. And that's what I want to get underneath. But the fact that we're so inexperienced and and the lack of skillfulness when it comes to directing that energy and, and noticing anger and having a place to put that. I always say that the most dangerous man on the planet is a man who hasn't encountered or gotten to know, gotten familiar with his anger. Because it's like, a, it, they say the same thing about a loaded weapon. The most dangerous person with a loaded gun is the one who doesn't know how to hold it. The one who's never shot one before. And so yeah. all of this to me is, it speaks to the nice guy identity who's disconnected from those big emotions, doesn't know how to wrangle them and also how to channel and express it. And that's a big part of the work we got to get back to is not being so afraid to come into contact with those emotions. And then of course, to be responsible for them and make sure that we're not firing those arrows in our house because it's not necessary, especially if a man is, is building a relationship with his emotional body. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the firing of the gun in the house, you don't want to fire it. I, I, just to be really explicitly clear with the distinction that I work with guys and it makes a lot of sense within myself. Um, firing anger is not a bullet that hurts. Pure anger does not hurt. Aggression hurts. If you hold back your anger and it goes into frustration and you have this build up and build up and build up, some guys goes, oh, but you know, she doesn't accept my truth. She doesn't accept my anger. The firing of the bullet, I liking like metaphorically that buildup of frustration into aggression and then you just explode. That's like a spear. That, that hurts. The intention behind it at that point, that's going to hurt. But I really want guys to get clear. That's not anger as I use it. Anger is like a shield. It doesn't inherently hurt somebody. Anger is like, no. You know, if you keep coming at me with this behavior, if you keep coming at me with this pattern of speaking, hey, you're going to meet this shield. I'm, I'm grounded. But you, you're not banging somebody on the head with the shield. The shield hurts. It wakens somebody up if they keep coming with the same crap. Sometimes that's necessary. Definitely after years, years of like dysfunctional relating, there can be a lot of momentum, a lot of resentment. Hey, that's, that's just part of it. It's not a clean process. I wish it was, but hey. So I just really want to say it's like the, the, the loaded gun metaphor is important, but anger is not 
a loaded gun. Anger is like, no, it there's it's possible to land anger in a way that is not threatening for the other person. What on the deeper level of this, um, what I find Jerry, like you definitely said it down there, is like, hey, this you know, sanitize socially of aggression and, and all of that in general as men. Totally get that. It's a really important part. Within the exact neurophysiological makeup of the modern man, a really important part of this in deep intimate relationships is early days. The vast majority of men that I speak with, you know, the all pervasive nature of this Mr. Nice Guy persona, most guys, 80, 90% of guys nod and agree with this. It's like, hey, who was the parent? that predominantly ra- raised you, that sort of disciplined you, that gave you the guidance, the nurturance, like if you could, where does that, was it 50-50 which are, between your mom and your dad? Or, you know, was your mom doing way more of the heavy lifting? Most guys are like, ah, actually, yeah, my mom was doing more, most of the heavy lifting. She's well, in, in school too, right? I mean, we're, most of us have uh, female teachers up until, I mean, over here, I, I didn't have my first male teacher, aside from like my phys ed teacher who I saw once a week until fifth or sixth grade till i was 10 11 years old mm. yeah. so exactly same here ireland i've dealt with guys in england and and cross-culturally it's sort of maps out that that's the same thing so it's predominantly the maternal feminine energy and hey this is like mothers are incredible they're great intention but without that masculine energy teaching you like by osmosis of hey this is this is how you ground and this is how you hold your truth in home predominantly that generation of, of fathers, they found their authentic expression in work, you know, outside the family home. I'm on mission. I'm making money. I protect. I do my stuff. When I come home, hey, home is the realm of the queen. She owns here. She does the parenting. She has this. And it sort of worked maybe. Mm. But what ends up happening and what has happened and why it gets really um, confusing for guys is in those moments, I'll oversimplify it, but in those moments when we expressed, you know, anger in front of our mothers, it's like, no, mom, you're like our inner first, first access to language and we get a bit more complicated, but it's like, no, mom, you know, this is my room, get out. Mothers don't tend to appreciate that. And the vast majority of guys got like shut down. It's like, don't get angry with, with your mother. Don't get angry. Because why? The feminine is the nurturing. And there's no dad there to go, hey, son. Hey, look, that, that was good. You know, you, you, that's you setting a boundary. I respect that. I, I speak with your mother. She needs to start, you know, respecting your space, et cetera. That wasn't happening. What I have found, Jetty and myself and with the, the vast majority of men out there is unwittingly the subconscious nervous system has associated anger, the expression of anger with a profound guilt of, mm. you know, it, if I'm speaking with my mom growing up, then our wives become the, you know, the external yep. expression of the feminine. It's like, if I say no to this woman who is now the most important woman in my life, I should feel guilty because my mom hammered the shit out of me psychologically and energetically and emotionally made me feel really guilty anytime I got angry with her. So, hey, I'm angry now. I must feel guilty and bad at the exact same time. And hence, we don't stick with the emotion and stick with our truth. And hence, this negative cycle is coming. That's really important for guys now to go because what happens is, you know, super quickly, 
but it's important. I want guys to just know the mechanism. We're like mechanistic thinkers. Most of us rational guys, like, give me the mechanism. Okay, that can make sense. What happens in relating with our queens now, with these powerful women that want our full truth, they want our power, is in that nanosecond of, you know, where we've been trained and conditioned from childhood to hyperanalyze our wife's face, the face of the feminine. Is she upset? Is she open? Is she receiving my truth? And there's this hesitation. And in that hesitation, it's like we, we have a score to settle with the hundreds of times with our mother when it's like, damn you, woman, I was saying no, and you never allowed me say no, which ultimately means you never allowed me say yes and discover who I truly am. In that nanosecond in an argument or the beginning of an argument, there's no argument yet, that triggered emotional load from 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, comes through as a gush of this horrible feeling, anger, guilt, irky, and it's supercharged. That's not your wife's fault. <laughs> One of the biggest breakthroughs in my marriage happened about two years ago. I was quite a bit into this work, but it was like two years into men's work. And one day my queen said to me, she was like, Mark, for God's sake, stop effing telling me and telling me this like 13 years reference. Clearly we were together 13 years at that point. Stop bloody saying 13 years. I'll effing listen to you when you start owning that it's 37 years. I'll hear you then. You know, these issues did not start 13 years ago with me. These issues are 37 years old. It's like, I can hold space for whatever your troubles are, whatever emotions come up. It's like, you're human. I understand that. That's okay. But goddamn, man, just stop putting it on me. I did not cause this wounding. Jetty, that moment transformed everything. And it was like, wow, I had been holding my wife accountable for a crime she never committed. I know we're sort of coming into landing here, coming near the end of this, but I, if there was one part that I wish guys could, you know, just really lean into, it's that part. It's not, you know, it's not the woman or your partner that's showing up now that is responsible for that 99% of the intensity of the charge you feel when you get supercharged, when you're angry, when you're super pissed. There's a ton coming from past. So, Little bit by little bit, have the humility and the softness to go, she's off, you know, she's off the hook. This is conditioning from childhood. And then from there, humbly, with great courage, when anger comes up, realize, hey, there might be a little bit of guilt there, but stick with it. You know, just take a leap of faith. Go, if it worked for that ignorant dog in Ireland, Mark, in his radical marriage transformation, if it worked for him, he hadn't a bloody clue, but he tried it out anyway. It does work. If you've the courage to go, I've anger, there's a truth coming through. All of the dragons, the fears, the upset of 30 years is coming true. Man, that's just part of it. That's like deep work. It's part and parcel. Breathe into it and stick with the anger. Land it safely with in every wave that it comes up. Speak it to your queen and do that regularly. She will rapidly start feeling safe around you. She will rapidly start going, hey, you've truth coming true. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to learn more about you. I can meet you there. I'm safe. You're saying it's safe in the first wave. I'm not getting the aggressive stuff. This is beautiful. 
and then she brings more for truth and man it's an upward spiral after that yeah yeah man it's so important to recognize that those core wounds that we have originate from our earliest relationships with women uh oftentimes our mothers but in some cases you know grandmothers or aunties you know just the women who helped raise us this is so formative and obviously uh, the same is true on the other side with our relationships with men whether it's our father grandfather mm-hmm. some other father figure that we had early on uh, so really appreciate just making that connection there uh, I, I definitely encourage men to do the same that there's a relationship to be had with our emotions and uh, learning how to wield and handle those emotions in a safe and constructive way i certainly think that stifling and trying to compartmentalize those emotions is what has created so much disease in men over the years. And obviously that's, that's no longer satisfactory. Our our women have been telling us all along that they, they want to know the truth, but I I do believe that there's a fine, there's a a very delicate balance between um, the raw and un. It's like, if I, if I don't, if I, if I'm not able to capable of handling it responsibly or, or delivering it in uh, whether we're calling it a conscious way or, or, a, or a responsible, safe way, then I have to learn how to do that. And it is something that can be learned and a skill that can be developed with guidance and direction. So uh, yeah, man, thank you for everything that you shared. I'm going to hit you with some quick lightning questions just to wrap it up here and then we'll set you off on your way. Uh, so you're ready for some quick ones. Go for it, man. Awesome. Uh, so what's one thing you wish you knew when you were 18 years old? Mm. how to express anger. And I don't say that flippantly. Uh huh. And what is the most important value to have as a man? Honesty with self. Last one. What does the world need most from men right now? Extreme ownership of everything that's coming through. Just own your shit. And if you don't know how to do it, find a man, find a group that can support you doing that. If you own your shit, everything after that that comes through you will be of great value to you and everybody else in society. Awesome, Mark. Uh, well, thanks for being here, man. Uh, before you go, make sure you tell everybody about your podcast and, and anything else where people can go to find you, connect with what you got going on. Cool, Jetty. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, yeah, we're, we're guys, if guys are vibing with what I've been talking about, um, in marriage specific, I work with guys to transform their marriage, help them become the marriage transforming hero of their relationship. You can check me out. The, the link will be in the description, I believe, at uh, kingsoffreedom.me. Um, the other resource that you can find me is at my podcast where I riff on this twice every single week. Um, epic shit coming your way. Just how to how to become emotionally intelligent and come into that full power in the octagon of marriage. That's a super unique thing. That's you can find me at Be The Husband She Brags About. That's at any of the, the major podcast platforms. You, you'll find us there. I just will note, um, I'm not on social media. You will not find me there. So maybe some guys do this like, oh, I'll check them out in the gram, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not. I'm channeling 100% of my time and energy into the podcast to just uh, own own my truth. I say it a lot of times, social media just um, is not the best thing for relationships. So add that on that i just want to make that clear it's the podcast be the husband she brags about or kingsoffreedom.me beautiful mark uh well thank you for being here thanks for bringing your wisdom and your experience to the show and i look forward to catching up with you at a later time cool man jetty really appreciate the opportunity to come in and hope it's been of use to the guys listening in thanks brother
All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you go and check out what Mark has going on with the links that we put here in the show notes. And everything you want to know that's going on here in Rising Man, you can go to risingman.org. Make sure you get yourself into the Rising Man Brotherhood, our free Telegram community that's popping off right now to become a part of our weekly community calls and to become a bigger part of this Rising Man movement. Thank each and every one of you out there for what you're doing to support Rising Man and to represent Rising Man out in the world. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.